0: There are behaviors as a Christian that are becoming as a Christian, and there are behaviors as a sinner that are characteristic of sinners. Tonight, we are going to examine seven destructive behaviors that Christians should avoid. In Genesis, God said that He gave all earth-yielding seed for meat. God planted trees in the earth for them to eat from, excluding only two. Those two were the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of everlasting life. We look at things that are prohibited from us. It's not that he wants to spoil the fun, rather he wants us to teach he wants to teach us only good. The real fun is going to begin when we finally get to heaven and we can hear those wonderful words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Behaviors are actions that we go through throughout our days. But without the course of free will that we have been given, we cannot make decisions. The definition of free will in and of itself is the fact that there are choices to be made. Had God never have put the trees in the garden, we would not have had the choice. He gives us that choice whether to obey or not. The first thing we're going to look at tonight as far as destructive behaviors unbecoming of a Christian is assemblies, missing assemblies of God's people. The church is a gift from God to us. If someone has given you a gift, especially a gift that they poured their Heart into their time, their workmanship, their blood, sweat, and tears, and gave it to you, say, for a Christmas gift. You would want to hang on to that. You probably wouldn't want to use it too often. You'd want to treat that with as much respect as humanly possible because that means a lot. They put their heart and soul into that gift. Jesus gave us all these things by dying on the cross. He put his blood, sweat, and tears into the church that he founded for us and gave to us. He purchased it with his own blood. And this alone should be incentive enough for us to want to never to forsake the assemblies. We should want to meet together with our fellow Christians, our brothers and sisters. Now, I know earlier we had up on the board Ephesians 1, 22 through 23. That was my mistake for the Bible reading. I told him to read Hebrews. When I walked in the door, I quoted the wrong one. But on the board we saw, and hath put all things under His feet, and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church. That's Christ. Christ is head over all things to the church. Which is His body, the fullness of Him, that fulfilleth all in all. He has blessed us with spiritual blessings in Christ. And He truly has. He gave us the means in which to get to heaven. He gave us the directions and He gave us His Word. But we have to be subjective to Him and His authority as well when we assemble. If we turn our Bibles tonight over to 2 Samuel chapter 7, we're going to look at verses 12-13. through 13. All of these verses teach us that God prophesied of His church and that it was purposed by Him. Long before the world was ever even started, he had this plan in place, which means that He loved us enough to know that by, by making us, He would have to send His Son. What l- greater love is there than that? To know that you would have to sacrifice yourself on a cross for your own creation, and yet you still love them enough to do it anyway. Well, will look at the verse. It says, "...and when thy days be fulfilled..." And thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. This is talking about the seed line of Jesus, which leads to Jesus. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. He had this plan long before we were thought of. God created the church to be a functional haven for us to worship him by, as a family. John 4 shows that God desired, to worship, God desired us to worship Him. But they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. We have to do so with our whole hearts. We have to want to come to worship. In Hebrews 10, 24-25, we spoke on this a little earlier this morning. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. We have to stay fast to one another, exhort one another, pressure one another to come to to church, to get here. It's a good pressure. Just as one places pressure on coal to create diamonds. It's the same idea here. We need to be able to provoke one another to love and good works. The second out of seven destructive behaviors is the use of addictive substances. Something that Christians should run far away from very quickly. The word in Greek is napho. Napho means essentially to be abstinent of. If we turn over to 1 Peter 1 and verse 13, we see him writing telling us to be sober. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Moving on a few more chapters to 5 and verse 8, he says, be sober and be vigilant of it. I know I'm saying in a lot of verses, but if we go to Ephesians 5 and 19, there's a word specifically there. I'm sure you've heard it before. Methusco in in five and verse thir- nineteen in the King James version it says excess of wine. That's Methusco. This is not the end result, but the process of arriving to. When he says in excess of wine, that does not mean being overly drunk, but the process of even getting started to be drunk is forbidden. And why would you want to anyway? When we have statistics from the police departments that show that every year due to alcohol we have 140,000 deaths just from alcohol alone that's not even calculating in the car crashes that it that it drives to this is simply alcohol the broken homes that result from alcohol the broken families the left children it's horrible to think of but addicting substance addictive substances does not go simply To alcohol. Addictive substances are anything that pulls you away from your love and devotion to our Lord and Savior. Maybe it's that fishing trip you need to put off. Maybe it's the football game Sunday night. The Super Bowl. Is it keeping you from worship? Look in your heart. Is it more important than worshiping your God? and assembling with your family here at church. It could be any number of things. But we have to be careful of addictive substances, addictive actions. Number three is the consumption of pornographic material and sexually suggestive media. Not a fun topic to talk about, let me tell you. An even more sad thing to note is that America is the number two consumer in the world involving children in that form of media it is a disgusting thing to have to address and roll off the tongue and yet it's something that needs to be talked about at least a little bit anytime we see or hear anything among these lines it should vex our souls this is disgusting to think about and yet it is rampant in our country 100% of sex offenders started out with pornography. This is not something that you quietly do in the privacy of your own home that will hurt no one and no one will ever find out about. I promise God knows. And yet it will lead to worse things. In addition, this is also an addictive substance. Let us turn our Bibles over to Matthew 5. Matthew chapter 5 for a moment. And we're going to take a look at verses 27 through 29. He says here, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Well said. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery in her heart already in his heart. And if thine right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that the whole body shall be cast into hell. Moving on to 5.30, he says, And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, cast it from thee, For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Yes, I know I read that twice. There was a purpose behind it. He is saying it is better to tear it off and thrust it far from you than to let it stick with you even a small amount. It can send you all the way to hell. We must be careful of this. Colossians 3.1 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are from above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Are we seeking things of the world, such as media, TV, these horrible pornographic shows? Or are we seeking things from above? Are we looking to Him? What are we consuming in our media day by day? I can only think of four tools to help with this addiction that I'm going to address tonight. Obviously, there are more, but four to help with this. The first being to put it to death mentally. We have got to get our spirit right with God. Our focus needs to be on God. Tunnel vision is something a Christian should strive for, and it should block out all other mentality. We have got to put this addiction to death. Second of all, take it away. Thrust it far from you. Just as the verse said, to chop off a member of your own body is better than to fall into this. Get it away from you. If you can't be responsible with that little smart device that's in your pocket, don't have it. Get rid of it. Block it. The third tool is to get help. Talk to someone. Who else can you go to if not a member of your own Christian family who loves you and cares for your soul? We're not going to press on you for trying to become a better person. We're not going to berate you or laugh at you. I'd be willing to say some of us can sympathize with you. We can reach out to you and help. Another thing I suggest is setting up a password. Better yet, set up a password, uninstall the app, and set up alerts. We have smart alerts on our devices now that send history of a child's usage of a device to the parent if they access something that they shouldn't. Take a moment and learn how to set these up, not only for your children, but if you're having problems with these things, set it up for yourself. Give the password to your wife or spouse, your significant other, someone that you can trust, so that if you do become weak, they get the alert, and they can hopefully stop you from it. These are very small steps that we can do, but they have a great impact on our soul's destination and how we sit with God. Fourth, we have the neglect of Bible study. Very unbecoming of a Christian to neglect Bible study. Second Peter 2 and verse 2 shows, As newborn babies desire the milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If we're new Christians, we should desire it. If we're old Christians, we should still desire it. There is nothing wrong with having the milk of the Word. Our focus and our goal should be to grow past the milk so that we can start getting into the meat of the Word, really being able to consume some protein, some muscle-building fiber, from what He's taught us. Here's an idea. If you want to know how detrimental it is to skip Bible study Go one week without eating and see how you fare. Your body will reject you. You are going to feel terrible. This is yet, however, significantly less important than our spiritual well-being. Our spirits are starving for God's Word. Why are we not feeding it? Why are we not spending diligent time in God's Word? If we neglect to study, what we look like spiritually is compared to someone who in a sense sense, was like the images that you see from the Holocaust with the concentration camps. Almost a skeleton. They haven't been fed in months. Is that what your body looks like on the inside? Is that the way that you picture your soul? Or is it someone who's been fed, who gets fed regularly, exercises, gets out and spreads the word? and has some muscle behind what they're saying. No one would ever say that they were too busy to eat, and yet so many times we can look out and very easily say, I'm sorry I can't come to church tonight, I'm just too busy. There are things I, I have to get done. I, I, I have that job. And we understand, from time to time, things are going to happen. I'm not saying that. I'm not attacking anyone. But there comes a point where you have to decide what is more important. Your love and worship to an almighty creator that loves you and gave his son for you, or a few extra dollars in the bank account for that job. I suggest get rid of the job. I suggest move on to greater and stronger things. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 49 says, Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. Are we actually doing that? Or are we simply checking off the box? Number five is loving the world. There is a love for the world right now that is over-encompassing outside in the world. Turn our Bibles for a moment over to 1 John 2 and verse 15. 1 John 2 and 15. We are going to see that loving the world is absolutely a destructive practice. He says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What do we love? Do we love Christ and His Word? Or do we love those little green pieces of paper that are in our pockets more? Do we love time spent in front of the TV more? Friendship in the world, friendship with the world, is enmity, hostility, and alienation from God. It says it right there. The love of the Father is not in Him if you love the world. Now, does that mean we don't love the people in the world? No, of course not. One of our largest focus as Christians, our job is to what? Go and preach the gospel unto every creature. What else does it say? It says that God wills that none be lost, that all come into repentance of Him. Which brings me to my next subject. Number six, neglecting to take ownership concerning the work of the church. Specifically, this should be applied to evangelism. Many people say that, oh, well, door-knocking campaigns, going out and teaching others, this is something that's that's the church's work, or that's the elders' work. That's the church's work. I've heard that before, and the first thing that came through my mind was, who makes up the church? The members make up the church. That's our responsibility to each and every one of us. Apathy makes the Lord sick. We spoke earlier before this morning, if you were here, so let's turn our Bibles again to Revelations 3 and verse 16. We cannot be complacent in Christ. Christ, We must contribute. We must put forth effort and work towards Him. Faith without works is dead. Revelations 3 and 16 says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. We must get to work if we are going to be pleasing to God. We have got to be on fire. It is conductive to apostasy, which is what we studied again this morning. We need to take ownership of our Christian family. This is our Christian family. This is His Christian family. He died on the cross for it. He put in the work. He died. He gave everything to us so that we could eventually have an inheritance in heaven. What are we giving to Him? Do not let your light go out. We sing a little song as little kids, this little Christian light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? We've got to put that light into a lamp and let it shine everywhere, shine out. And to do yeah. that, we have to evangelize. We have to tell our neighbors, our friends, even people we meet on the street about God. They may never hear it otherwise. This is not a job for the preachers and the elders, this is a job for each and every member of the church. And finally, the seventh destructive behavior of Christians is excessive debt. I understand the way that our society is created. It's very hard to get out of debt, but an excessive debt is something a Christian does not want to get into. It is conductive to stress. 60% of Americans say that money is a significant source of stress. Philippians 4 6, however, tells us be careful of nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. Be anxious for nothing. We're not to be anxious. We should not have anxiety towards the Lord, towards the world, towards His work, or towards anything in our lives. If we find ourselves getting anxious, we need to pray to God. That, first and foremost, should be our number one tool in our toolbox to relieve those anxieties. Not thy will, not my will be done, Lord, but thine. I about got that backwards, I apologize. Not my will, but thine. We have got to learn to be subjective to him. The problem with debt is sometimes we become indebted to the world. We get so far plunged in menial debt that we have to go to work on Sundays, or we're told that we have to go to work on Sundays. This is not true. Don't get so far indebted to the world that it pulls you away from Christ. I'm not just talking money. I'm talking just being indebted to the world in general. Don't feel like we owe the world anything. The person we owe anything to is Christ. And our job for Him is to spread the gospel to them. There's nothing greater that we can give back to the world than that. Be careful of debt. Be careful of debt. We don't have to go into debt, we just have to be faithful to our God. We don't need to go into sin, we just need to be faithful to our God. We must give God all trust and seek first the kingdom of God. He's going to take care of everything we need. But there are things we must make sure to avoid. God promised us a crown of life to those that will be faithful to Him. How do we remain faithful? By following what He's taught us. By loving His Word and spending time in it. To avoiding these pitfalls as Christians, these seven destructive behaviors that can rip our lives and our families' lives apart. Anything from the consumption of pornographic material, the neglect of Bible study, addictive substances, and again, that's not simply alcohol, and avoiding the assembly. When you leave tonight and go out into the world, think about your actions. Think about how we're acting towards God. What are we putting our time into? Moreover, like when we talked about debt, what are we investing in? Are we investing in a society of sin? Are we investing our time, efforts, and money into God's work? Something that can save souls. And something that will never perish. Where rust will not corrupt. We've got to stay strong. It's a hard thing and it's easy to fall and slip into these pitfalls. If there's anything you need prayers for tonight, if you've had trouble with any of these things, and we can pray for you, or you're finally ready to put on Christ in baptism, please let us know as we stand and as we sing.